0: Welcome to the Money Morning Pastor podcast. Um, This podcast is brought to you by a beautiful partnership between Missy Alliance and Kairos Partnerships. What's up, JR? Good morning, Doug. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you, man. There's a a little bit of a crisp in the air today, so life is good. Um, Yeah, man. The fall.
1: Love the fall. There's a different fall than normal, but... Still, yeah, the
0: fall weather is great. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's just it's good. It's good time. I think fall brings perspective, and that's yeah. actually what we're going to talk about a bit today: is perspective. Um, in in the season that we're in, where every day seems like a Monday, sometimes the greatest thing we can do is get outside of ourselves and begin to think about what's happening globally, uh, what's yeah. happening to the global church. I, I was, um, listen, re- least recently listening to someone bemoan about how, um how difficult it's been to wear masks or not wear masks and this and that and the other thing. And and I had this moment of, of blinding clarity where I thought... I wonder if the underground church has ever been like, you know what, we're just not baptizing anymore. I'm tired of baptizing in small bathtubs. <laughs> and it was one of those moments where like, I honestly thought it's our, sometimes our perspective needs to be changed. We need yes. to, the spirit needs to just kick us in the pants sometime and remind us that there's a much bigger story going on. And it's not about our preference. You know, we, we don't play, uh, we don't finish the Lord's prayer with, Lord, may my will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, but may your will be done on here on earth as it is in heaven. So, and I know this, uh, the interview we have coming up is really special to both of us, but especially to you. You want to talk a little bit about it as we intro this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we have a mutual friend and we will talk with this mutual friend on this interview and we're so excited to share this with our listeners, but but Pastor Silva is somebody who is our age and... (laughs) As, is from India and has gone through an incredible amount in his short lifetime. Uh, we have been so inspired in our friendship, our ongoing friendship with him. I've spent a lot of time with him. Um, and uh, the goal is at some point to go over to India to be with him and his ministry. But the amount of persecution and hardship, uh, legal uh, physical, relational, emotional, is just unbelievable uh, what not just he, but also the other pastors um, that he is in charge of, that he oversees, have, have gone through. Um, and in the interview, Pastor Silva cries uh, he is so moved by this. So we've had a lot of guests, you know, mostly from the United States, from North America. We've had some from Canada. We've talked to some in England and Australia, but those are all first world developing country developed countries. And so it was really good to talk with pastor and his work in India. Um, and just to expand the Monday morning pastor realm a little bit further and perspective is so important. And we want to be careful. I know you want to as well, Doug, like we want to be careful in this, this, this podcast interview, to make sure that what we're not saying is "suck it up, pastors." Yes, you know, shame on you for for uh, be it feeling tired and venting. <laughs> you know, it is a hard season for sure. But even in hard situations, as you said, perspective is so important to remind me that there are actually others who are suffering more than us. Yes, And what I'm complaining about would be something that people would long to complain about as the difficulty in their ministries. And by that, we're talking about um, persecution enough that where Pastor Silva has had to bury some of his pastors and his friends in the ministry that he oversees because they've been murdered by radicals. Uh, who, for the sole reason that they're trying to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, what is it like to oversee a funeral of someone in your ministry? So I just, you know, that, that moves me deeply. Um, that's, I, I just feel like this, you know, we've mentioned this, I think in season two, maybe season three about the hall of Tyrannus initiative of trying to support, uh, and financially, uh, partner alongside of, uh, pastors in India and in Pakistan to make sure that they get a Bible college education. Um, and the only thing keeping them from doing that is financially, <laughs> uh, they just can't afford it, but they're willing to make all the sacrifices. They just don't have the money to do that. And so we were able to accomplish that goal of funding a hundred pastors, 50 50 in India, fifty in Pakistan to be able to go to Bible college for the next three uh, next two years. And so we're so grateful for that. But all around the world, beyond even India and Pakistan, there are countries all over the world that are experiencing some sort of harrowing hardship, setback, failure, uh, legal restriction, uh, being blackballed or socially ostracized. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Yeah what exists around the country. So this is close to my heart, um, partly because I think God just has created me with this. I think every pastor and every person has some sort of thing that when you talk about it makes you cry uh, and it moves you. This is one of those for me. But on top of that, it, it also equally is a challenge to say, Briggs, it's hard for you right now, but you're not about to lose your life if you talk about Jesus you may lose credibility or you may bemoan the fact that pastors in America don't have their level of influence today, but how about in a place like India where there's no influence? In Mm -hmm. fact, it's illegal. Uh, You know, we still have legal rights here in the United States to talk about Jesus, to have a church that won't get burned down, uh, you know, in all likelihood this weekend, but that's a constant fear. And so just being reminded of that and then, you know, seeing pictures, Doug, of, some of the churches, when Pastor Silva has taken a picture of those pastor those, those churches that have been burned down, and, and, and I hear wailing, they're not wailing tears of sadness and despair. Yeah. It, it, the video that Silva showed us, it's actually people praising God. They gathered together Sunday morning in the burned out ruins of this church, and they're praising God together. That's the stuff that makes me weep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we are so pumped that we have an opportunity to share uh, our our dear friend, Pastor Silva with you all today. And um, yeah, we just, we sense the spirit has some encouragement for every single one of us listening. Our guest today is very special to both JR and myself. Uh, Our guest is Pastor Silva. Pastor Silva um, is not his real name, but that is the name that he has to use so that he and his family will remain safe. Um, He has pastored in some of the most difficult parts in the world. He's planted churches, orphanages. uh, He has cared for lepers, and he has uh, he has trained and equipped pastors and missionaries uh, for the specific time and space and place in which where he senses the Lord calling him to. We know that this is going to be one of those interviews that will stick with us for a long, long time. We. Hope you enjoy this amazing interview with our friend pastor silva
1: well it is a joy for us for doug and i to have one of our friends on the podcast and we have with us silva and so just want to say welcome to the podcast silva
2: hey JR, thank you thank you for having me this uh, today it's uh, wonderful to be with you with both of you
1: yeah, well, Doug and I have known you for at least 10 years, which is just wonderful. We've been in partnership, our church, with the work that you're doing, which is just fantastic over in, in India. Um, why don't you start by just telling us a little bit of your story, uh, your your upbringing, how you came to faith. What did that look like?
2: Yes, uh, if I would say... I came to know Jesus when I was fourteen years old. I born in very remote village. Uh, it's something that my life has been started from the suffering, because uh, when I born, my mom always uh, tells me that you you are a cursed one to our family because when oh. you born, you brought the curse according to the astrology. So when you born, I gave money out to the people unnecessarily. So you brought some kind of course. Then my dad got uh, paralyzed. My elder sister got mental disorder. That kind of things happened. So when I when I came to know myself a little bit still she keep on telling me that you're not blessing to our family. So it really stuck in my mind that oh yeah, I have to live in this world. I remember one day I was very hungry coming back from my school in the village I was very hungry I asked my mom can I eat can I have something to eat my mom had a bad day that day so she threw the food in front of my face said because of you only all this happened were you born I got really upset I was 13 or 14 at the age I had a two cow that time I took my both cows to the hills I started to cry why oh, yeah, I have to live in this world Mm. so that day I decided no more life okay I want to die mm. I I went up to the cliff I started to think okay finish my life today but I'm from the childhood onwards I am a very serious about searching guards in my life I remember the village in my street they have a big Uh, temple where 5.30 people, they worship. So I go, I participate many times, especially uh, some of uh, these December months, the people, they do more rituals on the early morning. I participate. I try to seek God. So that before I jump, I felt in my heart, I should call upon God. He said, any God can help me. Mm. So I tried all different gods I can remember because my dad is a drama actor. He take me to the villages for play drums with the different villages where different religion people follow. So I have a kind of common knowledge, the life story of Jesus birth, but I never had a personal relationship with him. Mm. But that day I, I called all the gods I remember in my mind. But I never felt nothing. Mm. But that day, I said, Jesus, I know you're born in this world. I know that story. If you're a true God, you save me today. Mm. When I call upon Jesus, I felt something in my heart. (laughs) That that whole suicidal thought gone away from me. I felt some kind of supernatural peace filled my heart. I just totally changed my mind about committing suicide. That week, I went back to the city where I normally purchase things for my family. I saw one building with a cross. That's a church. I went to the pastor. I said, when I call upon Jesus, I felt like this. He said, Mm. yes, because he's the only true God that died for you. So he discipled me. When I was 16 years old, he sent me to the Bible school. Then God gave me a... I felt the call of God in my life, so the first church God used me to pioneer is when I was 16 years old. That's what, like, wow. my short <laughs> life story. Wow! So,
1: so you're you're born, and your mom says that you've cursed the family. Yeah. Right. Your your father dies. Your mom or your your sister has some uh, mental yes. uh, disorder. Uh, you think about committing suicide at 14. God rescues yeah. you on the side of that cliff. Yeah. At 16, you're discipled, and you get a call <laughs> at 16 years of age to yes. go into ministry. Yes, yes, that's yeah. that's
2: unbelievable. Yeah. We love yeah, that. Sorry, place, I though. forgot to tell you that my dad didn't die; he got paralyzed. Oh, paralyzed! Yeah, okay. God healed yeah. him now. Now, still he's living. So- <laughs> okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow.
0: So. So that's amazing. So at 16 years old you are now you've you've walked into a call to yeah. a, a call of leadership. Yes. And so where has God taken you on that journey of I mean, you know, you're a pastor uh and what what has God done in your life since this beautiful beginning of being uh, the child that brought curse on the family and mm-hmm. has now brought blessing on the family.
2: If I would say about my life with the call of God the first thing i felt when i came to the ministry god put it in my heart the overwhelming burden of the people group i should work with wherever i see that people group god showed me in, showed in front of my face in my eyes whenever i see these people i started to cry hmm. wow Wow. That's supernatural for me that every time when I see that targeted people group, God keep on telling me. But I want to tell mm-hmm. you one thing. My mom sealed me. I am a cursed person. Wow. But God brought me as a blessed one to many people. Even in India, the leprosy people, are the friends are they are considered cursed one. Mm-hmm. God used me to bless their life that they are feeling Jesus loves me. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You work with lepers. You've yes. worked with children
1: yes. and orphans. Yes. You've started ministry schools. Yes. Uh, so like, what else has your ministry been? I mean, that's that's a lot of ministry work. What does that look like over the last handful of years in terms of the ways in which God is using your ministry in India?
2: see when i started the ministry that uh, when i when god called me i was just a village pastor me and my brother just we walked barefooted to many villages we preached the gospel every day we reached to the people we shared the people about jesus but god birthed his vision in our hearts for a future of our ministry and our leadership mm. I want to tell you, JR, Pastor Doug, whatever in the beginning, God birthed all that vision in our hearts. Mm. Almost all of them right now God fulfilled through our ministry. Mm. 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 Which is and the another way if I say God directed us to all the targeted people, we want to minister to them, reach to them. Mm -hmm. The children, widows, pastors, and the native missionaries, and children we had to rescue, all different things. Which is, if I would say, when I received Jesus, normally, in the beginning of the time, six of our young uh, believers we all young people now many of them they are missionaries to different parts of india those days we do ministry together to the remote village we go somewhere we do keep on doing ministry but god birthed that vision to fulfill all that right now i i am feeling all that that how god beautifully brought like the bible schools orphanages and uh, house churches, training missionaries, all this God is bringing beautifully through His grace.
1: So, mm, mm, mm. Yeah.
0: so Silva, what is what is a day in the life of a pastor in India look like?
2: If I would say, most of these pastors, they feel call of God. They feel that God called them. That to be totally sacrificed their life. So they, this is what most the typical pastor do. I never saw the pastor who sleeps after five o'clock. Mm. Even some of the pastors they go for we call dawn preaching, which is early morning. They go to the street. They just pronounce the word of God. Because every morning, normally the in India, the woman, they come out after five, they decorate in front of their house. Uh, mm. So that's a time that many pastors, they go for preaching even. But typical pastor, they seek God, five o'clock at least. They pray, they prepare themselves. Then after that, then they take care of their family until 9 o'clock because the kids, they have to go to school. Then they have to take care of their family. Then they have to take care of their personal things. They do until 9 o'clock. After 9, most of the pastors, they go out for a field, for a village ministry. Or they do their training, their teaching. They focus on that until evening, 4 o'clock. The lunch, sometimes they come home or and the meanwhile, they keep on communicating with their family. Now, the, one of the beautiful thing I always love pastors' wives, they are very faithful to pray for their husband. Mm, mm. After they leave for a ministry, they normally, they pray for their husband that God should use them. Mm. And uh, afternoon, they after four o'clock, they come back home. They spend time with their children. They take them around sometimes, play in the village, or just be with their children until five or six. Then after six, normally they go for the Bible study at a village church. In the evening, meet the believers, spend time with the believers. Most of the pastors, sometimes typically they come home 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock. That's what normal time. Mm. So this is like a normal pastor's life. Yeah, yeah normal pastor, just get up, No, five, you know, 5 a.m. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's not uncle. typical
1: in North America. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. I have my uncle. He said, he texts me every morning, four o'clock with a Bible verse. He, said wow. pastor, he will huh? see that he passes in his area, but he, he I never saw him sleeping after four o'clock. He just keep on praying until one hour in the early morning, see God. (laughs)
1: Wow. Wow. That's, that's unbelievable. Now I love that you work with churches and you've worked with pastors. And um, I I also know that as many of these, you know, stories of people coming to faith and, (laughs) you know, these different ministries that there's also been uh, persecution and there've been difficulties and, You've even seen some death yeah. of some of the pastors and missionaries within your own organization, your own ministry. Yeah. You've, you've sent me pictures, Silva, of you. I think of one in particular of you presiding over the funeral yeah. of one of your missionaries. Yeah. And I remember looking at that picture and just weeping. Yeah. What is that like for you to have to preside over the funeral of one of your own pastors and missionaries within your own organization who died simply because he was a follower of Jesus. What is that like for you personally?
2: If I would say, many times I'm in tears when one of our missionaries are pastors going through this persecution in the village. Right now we know that this persecution is increasing in many areas. That many of our pastors being persecuted, tortured. Well, One of I know many times I cry, that, like that that funeral. I know him personally many years. Mm-hmm. He was a good leader. He was a good mm-hmm. teacher. He, I was crying that day. Even I, sometimes I won't have a words to. Comfort that family mm. I have no words, but I want to one thing I want to tell you, jr every time when this kind of situation comes, God always teach me something. Mm. He always tell me, son, you are thinking that now you lost him, but because. Of my faith, may, many people outwardly they don't know what kind of sacrifice they are making. People may question them, people may criticize them. They come through many struggles in their ministry. But I want God always speak to me. When one of your missionary come to me in heaven. I always welcome them with my both ha- wide open arms mm. saying, well done, my faithful mm. servant. Mm. Mm. That's a one word always God gives me. That, that picture that God is invading them, celebrating them in heaven. Well done, my servant. Mm. Wow, you did a good job. People, even your own leaders might not saw your sacrifice. Even your own believer might not saw your sacrifice, but now I saw you see all your rewards in heaven. That's a picture every time when I go through these funerals. God always gave me that. Son, you don't know about their sacrifice. You may not know why I allowed this, but they have a big reward in heaven. That's mm-hmm. a that's an encouraging thing I can give to the family too. It's hard for me. Many times I cry. God, why well, you are allowing this. But one day in heaven, they are going to see this reward. God is going to mm. call, well done, my faithful servant.
1: Mm. Wow. Yeah. And sometimes there are deaths, but you've also sent pictures where, you know, churches have been burned yeah. and uh, pictures from emergency rooms with missionaries yeah. with broken legs and bandaged heads that have been yeah. bashed open. Man, how do you do a, a hospital visit? In something like that. How do you comfort a church whose building has just been burned down?
2: See, that kind of situation, like example, when someone gets physically attacked, more than I encourage them, is they encourage me. Huh. <laughs> they, they tell me, Pastor, I just lost my only one side leg. I have another <laughs> leg. Wow. <laughs> I
1: wow. have a
2: mouth to speak. They cannot stop my mouth. <laughs> I can keep on preaching. So don't worry. I we, Even we are, many of our missionaries, this is what they encourage me always. I say we are even ready to die for the gospel. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: They say when we start this ministry, we dedicated our life that even we are, give our lives for the gospel. That's very encouraging for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so...
2: Yeah. Yeah, even when the church is burned, after that, God bless their ministry that they will have a bigger, one <laughs> probably before they may have a coconut leaf church. Now God may give them a nice roofed one after mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. sometimes God changed things from uh, damage to blessing. So mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So, Pastor Silva, ha- have you ever felt like like quitting? Ha- have you ever had those those dark moments where you're like, "What? What? What am I doing? Is this even
2: worth it?" JR, uh, I want to tell you in my life in the ministry, uh, maybe it's twenty two years. Many times, even I question God, "Why you allow this in my ministry? Mm. Why? Why you did this? No, I." many times I cried to God like Eliza. God, even I'm not a better person than my forefathers. He hid under the cave. He said, God, take my life. I had that moment. Mm. I had that moment. Mm. But each time God encouraged me, Mm. I called you to this ministry. Mm. I restore everything that devil try to destroy in your life, in your ministry. I hold your hand. You didn't hold my hand. I chose you. You didn't choose me. <laughs> you are just a village boy. That the hole in your pant, looking up the sky, the flight, is there any way that you can, you're going to fly one day on that flight? That's you like David, like a shepherd boy in the field. I lifted him like a king. Mm. The sacrifice you made for this ministry, the call in your life, you didn't do for you, but I am holding your hands. Many times, many times. I, I had a, personally. If I would say, like you said, even I wondered, God, where are you? But all those moments, I felt God comforted me, hold my hand, saying. You have a reward. You didn't choose me. You didn't come to this ministry. I called you. Mm. I am with you always. I will I will be with you until you finish this yes, uh, race. I'm not going to leave you. Many times God encouraged me like that. I'm not going to leave you until you end this race because I started in you. <laughs> so that's a very encouraging many times. You don't believe me, some of the uh, some of the things in my ministry i gone through, but each moment, when I go always to God, say, God, why? Why? Then every time he encourage me. Mm. So that's, mm. I believe that God holds my life. God ho- called me. He chose me. He's going to finish the race. Even any failures, even any uh, thing that devil will try to destroy in my life or in the ministry, in my personal, in my family, even if I have a questions about my personal family, anything, but one thing God always encouraged me. I have a special call in your life. I call you. I will finish that call in your life. So thank God for that. So, mm, mm, yeah. Wow.
1: Pastor Silva, we can see the tears in your eyes and down your cheeks. Maybe we the listeners can hear it in your voice. What it's been said that tears are liquid prayers. Yes. So I'm wondering what what are the prayers that your face is praying these last few minutes with these tears in your eyes? What's what's the root of of the emotion there rooted in prayer?
2: This main reason is i'm seeing around me all the people of god i'm working with i'm seeing all the things the challenges that all these people of god are facing to fulfill the call of god in their life there i i personally i want to share with you very first time i came to america I remember many of them, they came to me, they told me that, uh, Pastor, God gave me this vision. I know God called me to these targeted people. It's almost, I don't know how many, it's almost at least 16 years I am coming to America. Very few I am seeing them, they pursue on that call. They are going on that call of God. Mm. Many mm. devil... Damage the their life utterly that that way they can go away from the call of God. Mm. But mm. my tears is God, you call me. You give these pastors, these people in my life, and anything come in my way, personal or the ministry, I don't want to quit. My mm. physical may say quit, but you are telling me always. I'm holding your hand, mm. So that's yeah. what my prayer, I want to be a blessing to those pastors and the missionaries. People are struggling to fulfill their call of God in their life. That some way that I can be encouraging to them.
1: So, mm. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Well, the pandemic has certainly impacted all of us. Yeah. And on this podcast, we've talked about that, mostly in the North American context, but <laughs> uh, Doug and I are wondering what, what? How? How has your ministry and how has India been impacted by the pandemic? How has that, good or bad, impacted what you're doing in terms of? Are you doing ministry in maybe new ways that you haven't before because of the pandemic? Um, talk talk about the impact it's had on your ministry.
2: Yeah, right now I think according to today news every day around fifty thousand people being affected with the virus. Mm. Uh, it's really, if I would say India, one third uh, people, they depend on the daily wages. Mm. When this whole country is shut down means something very serious, actually. People commit suicide, even people starve. and uh, Physically, if I would say, a lot of uh, financially people struggling a lot, people lost jobs and uh, uh, struggling to feed their family things like that but uh, God used our ministry right now, this is a situation we can stand behind with all the missionaries those who are faithfully doing the ministry in the field that we are telling them that you are not alone, God is seeing your faithfulness so we provide their needs the uh, one step we pray how we can keep preaching the gospel. So we have a local cable TV network which is one hundred and fifty thousand uh, connections, and also we have a twenty-four by seven Facebook and uh, YouTube live that we can broadcast our TV uh, channel. That actually we organized hundred churches in every area that they can put their Uh, by uh, their Sunday service that they can encourage the believers and their friends they can watch in the village through our TV and also through the Facebook and uh, through the YouTube live so Mm. if I would say roughly every day 500 uh, our team, they are sharing our Facebook live TV to 500,000 people all over the world through the Facebook group then they have wow. groups and YouTube so something that we are doing online the another thing very exciting that uh, coming 15th we are starting Zoom Bible School for uh, missionaries like they're going to be on then we are going to have these schools for them uh, every week uh, weekly three days we are planning so something that we are moving on to the social media that uh, we can reach out. And also uh, soon we are going to release the app that it's going to contain all kind of biblical studies and materials that people can download on their mobile. So it's kind of we are moving on to the social media to reach to the people. So, Oh,
1: I love that. Stay. And Silva, I mean, it's, it's great because <laughs> You know, even though you're in villages and you're dealing with those with leprosy and poverty, yet at the same time, the access of technology is just wonderful. And so... um Anyway, yeah, it's been great, too. I mean, we're doing technology now yes, with yes. this interview, but uh, you and I have had the opportunity to, to teach some of the students at the school via yeah. Zoom. It's so yeah. it's just amazing what we can do with technology. Yeah. And I'm so encouraged to hear how, even in a pandemic, that uh, we can see technology used for the sake of the kingdom of God, which is just yeah. awesome. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Silva, I, I would love we're we're gonna kinda of land the plane here. And I have one more yeah. question for you. Yes. And it's just very simple. Um, I just kind of want to ask you to encourage the pastors who are listening today. And how yes. would you want to encourage the Monday morning pastor crew? Uh,
2: I want to tell the pastors. They didn't call by men, they call by God. I know in our life when situation comes. We may question God. God, why you allow this in my ministry? Many discouraging times, but that time, instead of we are leaning on to our physical thoughts, we are to lean on God. Say, God, you call me. What I should do? God, what? God's man won't see your sacrifice many times. He only see your outward. But God knows how much sacrifice you are making for this. Your call. The ministry God gave you in your hand. He want to end that with you. He want to be with you until the end of your call. End of He want to fulfill that call in your life until the end. Hmm. So don't be discouraged. He chose you. He's holding your hand. He will finish the race with you. That's what my thought. So,
0: Mm, mm, yeah. mm. Well, Pastor Silva, thank you so much for being with us today. And um, I just love that image of God is holding our hand uh, in this season and in the good times and the bad times and in the discouragement and in the encouragement, he is with us and holding our hand. So thank you so much for being with us today Um, and blessings to you and your family.
2: Uh, thank you, Pastor Doug. Thank you, Jr. for having giving me this opportunity to share my heart. Also, uh, thank you. Yeah.
1: Doug, I could talk with our friend
0: Pastor Silva all day long. Yeah, buddy. I'm so grateful for him. Um, I've, you know, the Kleenex box is close by always when I have an opportunity to speak with him. Yeah. And, and, you know,
1: it's, it's been an amazing thing over this season where, you know, even though there've been so much change and Zoom fatigue and all that, but it's been great. Silva has actually asked me and said, Hey, do you want to actually Teach some of these Bible college students, which has been like such a joy. Uh, you know, they start at like one a.m. our time, <laughs> and uh, but which is you know in the morning their time, and uh, I mean, I, I you know I'm bleary and and. You know, cobwebs when I wake up so exhausted the next morning when I do that. And Megan's like, my wife is like, so how does it feel? I mean, you must be exhausted. I said, I've never been more excited to be so exhausted in my (laughs) life just to be with these students. It's just unbelievable. They're they're wearing masks. They're spread across the whole region, tuning in on, on Zoom on their phones, on laptops, anything they can find. It's just an unbelievable, and they're so hungry. I mean, that's the thing. They are just so hungry. So anyway, all that to say, you know, technology is just just added to that. And Pastor Silva has translated. So I speak in English, and then he's uh, on Zoom hearing what I'm saying, and then he speaks. So it's just a beautiful way to see technology All you know, Gutenberg and the printing of the Bible, the Bible press, but like everything, there's these waves of technology that can be used to leverage and see the gospel spread. And and Pastor Silva does that every day, you know, back and forth with people all throughout India. So, anyway, what stuck out to you in in this conversation?
0: (laughs) Oh, it's his tears. Uh, He just the tears that he sheds for for, for the pa- for pastors worldwide. Yeah. And I mean, even just as his, his cur- you know, his encouragement that God has us in his hands, uh, yeah. I, for me, it's, I, I feel like yeah. I need to, I need to can be continually reminded of that. And even just as I'm, you know, as I was as we were listening and having the conversation, just thinking about all the different pastors, uh, who just need to be reminded that God has them in his hands. He's present. Um, And honest, I think the other thing too, is that that was one of the most, I've heard his story several times, like quite a few times. And every time it just gets me, it continues to just tear at my heartstrings. And so I, I'm just so great. I'm so grateful that God pulled a young man, you know. On the brink of suicide, yeah, brought his life around and then sent him out. Like, just was like, All right, it's time to start playing churches at 16. You're like, dude, yeah. at sixteen, I was a dummy. I mean, my <laughs> goodness, I wouldn't plan anything legal at sixteen <laughs> or just anything at all. It's like, like, my goodness, but just so grateful for his story and um Yeah, just his encouragement to pastors. I just like those tears are real. And it was powerful, man. So powerful. So, what are some resources you have for us, JR?
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the great things about uh, an interview like this with Pastor Silva is that you don't have to just support in India, you don't have to support in Pakistan. But um, most people aren't aware of this. But the International Day of Prayer for Persecuted Christians is coming up November 1st. It's always the first Sunday of every month of November. Uh, And so this is an opportunity. And so we want to encourage you. Here's a great resource. It's persecution.com. That's the voice of the martyrs, which is a uh, very well-respected and well-known organization, the voice of the martyrs. But persecution.com is a fantastic resource for those if you want to get involved in that. And more specifically, persecution.com slash IDOP which stands for International Day of Prayer. So persecution.com slash IDOP for the International Day of Prayer for Persecuted Christians. There is are resources available. There are videos available. There are things that you can have provided for your church, promotional videos, slides to lead prayer, church bulletin inserts, guides for tips on uh, for things and, and ideas for your church to be involved, even a sermon outline. And so we want to challenge you on November 1st utilize that as a way to advocate for the persecuted church, our brothers and sisters around the world who are giving up everything to be able to do this. Now, we understand that two days after this, on November 3rd, will be the presidential elections here in the United States. And that's probably going to be something on people's minds. And people will be praying for that, hopefully, um, during uh, that Sunday, November 1st. But I actually think that could provide even greater perspective as we think about our political uh, situation, how divisive it is. Imagine using some of that time in people's minds on that Sunday leading up to the election to pray for our brothers and sisters who are being killed simply because they want to talk about Jesus. Hmm. And so we want to encourage you uh, to look that up again, persecution.com slash IDOP. We'll put that in the show notes for you. And the challenge is do something this fall, to be able to highlight, support, or encourage the persecuted church. That could be the day of prayer. That could be financially giving some money in your budget towards persecuted regions of the world or organizations or pastors who are being persecuted. If you don't know any, contact us and let us know. And we will put you in touch with organizations, churches, ministries, uh, and pastors That are being persecuted around the world that would love financial support, prayer, friendship, just to know that they're not alone. So, Doug, what are some questions that you might have for us?
0: Yeah, uh, three real easy questions. First one, what moved your heart? Uh, I just think it'd be good for you to reflect on that, maybe journal through that. The second one, uh, who in your list and contact of pastors that you know needs to be reminded that they are in God's hands? Uh, And I want you to just stop for a moment and shoot them a text or write them a handwritten note or send them an email. And then lastly, how might you get involved uh, in shedding light on what is happening around the globe? And how might that also help bring unity within your own church? And so brothers and sisters of the Monday morning pastor community. Um, May you be reminded today that you are in the hands of God and he has got you and he is with you and he will see to completion what he has set out for you to accomplish. You are loved. May you experience his love in tangible ways today.